Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. To all my listeners around the world, pick your time zone that you're in and the time of day it is you're listening. Just love being with you all here and excited that I get to share so many perception and perspective shifting guests with you that pose a lot of really great questions that I know myself I need to be asking myself. So uh, I, I love that you all get to meet these incredible people that I get to meet And I want to thank Veronica Malika, a dear friend of mine and a former client from my tech world days, who has a Facebook group called Kindness Matters. And she posted something from a 60-second doc interview that led to my having the guests that you're about to hear today. Um, She founded Silver Muzzle Cottage Rescue and Hospice in Michigan that fosters and takes care of and tries to place senior dogs. Her name is Kim Skerritt, and and I'm just overjoyed, actually, to be able to have her on the show because uh, all my listeners, Kim, know I am such a dog person. I love cats, all animals, but my mom and I were major dog people, and uh, I just love the work you're doing, so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk about my favorite subject. (laughs) <laughs> dogs. Senior dogs. Dogs of all kinds, but senior dogs especially. All right. So I have to ask, I mean, how did you get involved with doing senior dog rescues in hospice? Not your normal well, thing. No, it's not. Uh, and it wasn't normal for anyone, really. There, there are very few. There are actually several throughout the country, but there were um, none in Michigan at the time. Um, I own a uh, business called Bowser's by the Bay, and we primarily did, uh, and this was in our old location, uh, we moved in October, but we did uh, social rehab for dogs, we had cage-free boarding, grooming, training, um, and one of the buildings on the property was uh, just really underutilized. We just kind of threw stuff in there for storage, and uh, I started doing some rehab work for area rescues. Uh, which got me into the whole fostering thing. And then uh, I became a little more adept at social media. And as time went on, I started seeing these uh, posts about these older dogs, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old dogs needing homes. And I really didn't get that. Um, You know, I'm one of these people that, you know, live or die for my dogs and, oh, I'm going to to my car before I ever abandon my dog kind of people. And so I really didn't understand it until I really started doing some uh, research on it and realized that um, this is a very serious problem in this country. And it's not just in Michigan, it's all over. So my part was let's take this building and see if we can't transform it into a, a home for senior dogs specifically. And, of course, senior dog could be a dog seven and older. I guess it depends on your perspective. But the dogs we specifically take are dogs with three years or less to live based on their breed. So uh, a chihuahua, for our uh, sake, for our rescue, would be 12 and up. Uh, But for maybe a Great Dane, it would be five and up. Well, big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, our, our priority in taking dogs is we always take, take hospice dogs first, shelter dogs second, and then owner-relinquished dogs third. 
So um, our take is usually 50% of the dogs we take in are owner relinquished, and the other 50% come out of uh, shelters from throughout the state. Okay, now you, you said that your first priority is to take hospice dogs. Hospice dogs. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. gonna ass- so, can I assume that hospice in this case is similar to human hospice where you want to keep them comfortable till uh, yes. they depart yes. to he- doggy heaven? Yes, exactly. So they could have a multitude of things wrong with them. Um, they could just be really old. Uh, for example, uh, this week we'll be taking in a 17-year-old dog that's blind and deaf. Um, I guess the dog still gets around well enough, and uh, but the current situation it's in is just not workable. Um, they have to give up the dog. So we'll be taking that dog in. It's not likely at 17 we're going to have this dog for a really long time. So more than likely he will be with us until it's his time. Uh, it takes a unique person to foster an animal, but to foster one, to rescue them when you know that you're just helping them transition to, to go right. to heaven. I mm-hmm. I was devastated when both of my, my dogs, three of my dogs passed, and two with cancer, and I, I know I sat by their side and by my mom's side mm-hmm. when my mom passed, and I can't even imagine doing it on a regular basis. You can hear how emotional I'm yeah. getting over it. So right. how, how did you, well, you get know, through that? It's really different when it's, uh, and I say your own dog, of course, anytime you rescue a dog, if you rescue a 14-year-old, it's your dog. But I think uh, for those of us who are able to do this, and at least most specifically I can speak for myself only, when I take a, an older dog in like this, it's really there's a mission behind it. And I know right from the get-go this dog is not going to be with me very long, and I have a very limited amount of time, whether it's two weeks, two months, or two years, to make sure that this dog has the best darn possible life, and that includes taking them out on adventures, taking them for walks, taking them to get ice cream, taking them to the water and see if they know how to swim. Um, Let them just experience things they may never have experienced before. If they were somebody's backyard dog and they just weren't well cared for, um, the endless number of opportunities you can provide for this dog are just they're endless and um and and maybe some of the dogs are coming out of really great homes and they were well loved and so that becomes something then the goal is to make sure they continue to feel that love and to have a really great life and more importantly to just know right up until the very end that somebody loved them and dogs are great about transitioning um, sometimes they might be a little nervous, a little out of sorts, and why am I here? But when they see and get used to the environment and they understand the, the love that's given to them, they very quickly adapt. Um, and it becomes their new home. And uh, for many of these dogs, if they were the only dog in the home, suddenly it's kind of like Disneyland because now all of a sudden they're around 15 or 20 other dogs and, and they're doing what comes naturally to them, which is to be in a pack of dogs. So um, that's kind of how we override it. That doesn't mean there are never tears, because I'll tell you, I've cried my share of tears over the dogs. But I, it's very easy for me to also switch gears mentally and say, you know what, though, I cannot 
I, I don't have a single regret. I know this dog had a great life all the way to the very end. And uh, when we let a dog cross over, um, a lot of times some people might think we're pulling the trigger a little early, um, but we don't want them to ever get to a point where they're going to suffer. So if you know the dog has cancer, um, we don't need to wait till it can't hold its bowels or its bladder anymore and it won't lift its head and you can just tell it feels icky. Uh, sometimes there are symptoms that pop up long before those types of symptoms occur. And so we're just as okay with saying, you know what, let's let this dog go now before the suffering starts. Um, and, uh, and then in the end, you know, we have a little ceremony for them, all the volunteers, uh, that, especially the ones who have really become attached to the dog. We gather around the dog. We send it lots of great positive energy before it crosses over. Tell them, uh, see, now I'm going to get broken up. Uh, <laughs> tell them what a great dog they were. Thank them for being in our lives. Um, and just send them over, letting them know that, you know, somebody really loved them right up until the very end. I am I am so emotional right now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's um, uh, like I said, yeah. you can't avoid the tears. They they come no matter what. And you know, you get a two year old dog and it lives with you till it's fourteen. I can assure you, the pain of losing that dog is just as great as if you only had a dog for a couple of years. So a lot of times, people go, "Oh, I can't go through it again." Well, you will go through it. Yeah. <laughs> you get a puppy, you're gonna go through it. It just might might not be right away, but it's no less painful. No matter what there's just no avoiding it and i think that's all part and parcel of loving our pets to the end it's, it's amazing how they get into our hearts which is why I, I needed to have you on the show today we're going to go into our first commercial break everybody we're here with kim scarrett the founder of silver muzzle cottage rescue and hospice in michigan and when we come back we're going to talk some more about how she got started in dog training and boarding and this fostering we'll be right back with more from uh Silver Muzzle Cottage Rescue. Go hug your dog while we're waiting. Kim, had you always wanted to work with dogs? You started your business, Bowser's by the Bay, but is that something that you'd always wanted to do? Well, um, you know, it's something I always loved doing. We'll put it that way. Uh, Whether or not I thought it was career-worthy was something I'd never considered until I was in my early 40s. I was an engineer with uh, one of the big three automakers, and I was miserable. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I can do corporate. I don't like doing corporate. Uh, It just felt so, um, oh, it just was meaningless for me. And uh, I really needed to just step away from that job. I just my life was just not going in the direction I wanted it to. I was had a big paycheck, but I was just working, working, working. Um, and had an opportunity demonstrated to me that uh, showed me that life is way too short. So I uh, took some time off, and when it came time to, okay, i got to go back to work now, what do I want to do? Uh, I thought, you know, I've always loved working with animals. There's got to be a way to actually make a living doing this. Um, one of the things I'd always done, uh, because prior to working for General Motors, I had always worked in the mental health services industry, and it doesn't always pay a lot of money, so most of us in that field were always working second jobs, and my second jobs, if you will, were 
uh, was taking time and working with area shelters. And I did uh, bathing and brushing and grooming and then also uh, learned under some trainers and worked with dogs and shelters doing some training. So when it came time to develop a new career path, I thought, hmm, maybe I could actually make a living doing this. So off I went. I landed in a small town, uh, one of my favorite towns ever, Elk Rapids, Michigan. And um, that kind of thing was just really not heard of. Um, I started cage-free boarding, and that really wasn't heard of. That was very new to the world of doggy care. And uh, things just kind of blossomed and, and went from there. It's fascinating that you're talking about that because last week's episode was with Cardi Malugin, and we were talking about clearing your blocks and understanding how when you're in the flow or the light, how things just begin to flow and happen, and yeah. they almost take on a life of their own. Everything just seems to align, and when you're not and you're trying to do things and nothing happens you um you get blocked and yeah absolutely and and here you are just talking about giving a beautiful example of what we just spoke about last week with clardy so you know it really did and i that's exactly what it felt like too when i was working these other jobs which you know you start out and you think there's some benefits to them. Like I said, the big paycheck, and I traveled a lot with that last job, and I really liked that aspect, but just so incredibly unfulfilling. I felt like a fish out of water. There just wasn't some, there was something not right about my life, and uh, and I finally just said, let me put away all the societal norms that says you have to be successful and have a, a good job and make lots of money. I make um, a fraction of what I used to make. I'm pretty much paycheck to paychecking it. There's not a lot of money in doggy care, but wow, I am 20 times more fulfilled. And that's what gets me through every single day. It's very, very hard work. Uh, working with dogs, everybody says, oh, you, you're so lucky you get to play with dogs all day. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's you. No one ever talks about the amount of poop that you'll clean up <laughs> or the number of puddles you'll mop and how dirty dogs are when there's 20 to 30 of them at a time. Um, so you learn all those things as you go, and uh, hopefully you get an opportunity to mentor under somebody who can teach you all those things. But I didn't have that, so I really I learned as I went along, and it did. Everything just kept falling into place, and it was like, okay, I knew, actually, the minute I walked into our old facility, I knew exactly that that was the building I was supposed to have. It was like a lightning bolt moment. And um, and it was the same way when I actually arrived in Elk Rapids for the very first time. I As I pulled into town, I, I was like, wow, I don't have a clue where I am, but I have to be here. And I just kept going with my gut instinct. And... I, you know, I think that, well, I wouldn't recommend everybody do it the way I did it, where you just up and leave your job and don't have a plan in place. <laughs> uh, it did work out for me because I did start following my instincts and going with my gut on things. And it, it just really did pan out for me. You managed to work through your blocks. That's really awesome. I did. I did. Yeah. Now, Silver Muzzle Cottage, it, when we were talking before you were on my show, you said that you had just to see about senior dogs. You had done a search on petfinder.com around senior dogs mm-hmm. near Michigan, and there were over 900 that needed homes. 
What is yeah. it about senior dogs that you're seeing as to really why people are, are turning them in? I think there's three categories of people, of dog owners. Um, and I'll be really frank about this because I'm one of these people that you, I believe you cannot fix a problem unless you're willing to talk about it. Um, and it's, and I say these things without judgment. I say them as statements of fact. There are three types of dog owners. There are those who live, eat, and breathe for their, breathe for their animals, and they're going to be with them until the very end um, at all costs. Then there are those people who have the very best of intentions, and uh, their intentions uh, are good, but how they handle what's best for the dog is very different than how I might do it. And then there are those people who, frankly, should not own animals. Uh, Their property, they don't value their lives, they don't think think of them as sentient beings, Um, And there's all sorts of proof out there that, you know, uh, demonstrates that it is their actual sentient beings and they have feelings. So, um, you know, you you have to approach each one of those groups almost identical. Otherwise, you fall into that judgment zone. (laughs) And uh, so... You know, you, you get them. You get them all kinds. I can't say there's uh, one group that we get uh, more dogs from than others, but you know, some of the dogs come along and rescue, and you know what you've got to do. It's just really obvious what kind of life they've had. And then there are others where you're just picking up and taking over where somebody else left off. Maybe the owners were placed in a nursing home, and nobody else in the family wants the dog. That's actually a really common one. The other uh, reason is, uh, and this is probably the most common reason, not in, not only just for our rescue, but for, I know, with talking with friends who are in other rescues that take on younger dogs. So it's not really a, a senior dog thing, but the number one reason these days that people are giving up their pets is they're moving and they can't take them with them. Um, I don't know, you know, we can only go by what people tell us, so... Um, but taking on the senior dogs, sometimes it's a very emotional thing, and they, it's the hardest thing they'll have, ever have to do. Sometimes in their frame of mind, they think, you know, my dog is very sick, it's on its last legs, doesn't have much time to live, I need to find a new home for it. And I think that some people cannot go there. They can't see their dog um, just waste away they they don't have the courage to be there with them when they end because it's so painful and so we you know there's a mixed bag of reasons why the dogs end up with us but we just try to stay really focused on what can we do for this dog right now rescue in general is a band-aid it doesn't solve anything it solves the problem for the dog but it really doesn't solve the problem of homelessness and so as long as people um, have their, continue to have the reasons, both good and bad, for relinquishing an older dog and not being able to stay with it till the end, there is always going to be a need for senior rescues. Um, and, I, and I think more and more people want to start a senior rescue. They're seeing the value of it. Um, and, again, it's a very emotional pull. Um, some their people are starting to learn that senior dogs are awesome. I mean, you just don't have the same issues with them that you have with much younger dogs. You're generally not going to be doing the training. 
um, because they're not wild children. They're not uh, hopefully they've been trained energy. Yeah, right. and even if they haven't, they a lot of times, especially the old client, the the old dogs that we take, they just want to sleep. They want to sleep. They get up. They go out. They do their business. They like to eat. They get excited to see new people. But it's just not the same energy. It's not an energy you feel like you have to control. It's just um, you know what. And we always have to uh, be sure that the dogs do well with other dogs because our facility is truly cage free. So even at night, they're not in kennels. They just free roam the house. Um, <laughs> I, I just have this picture and and this. There's a bunch of video that's out there on you guys of just these dogs just kind of all laying together in a heap. And if there's a human in there, they're just like at their feet. Or if they happen to sit down, they're just on top of the human. Absolutely. Yep. There's there's not a lot of napping that goes on when we have volunteers coming in throughout the day because they're up and they're going to greet every single one of them. And sometimes it's really loud and crazy because, you know, you can imagine when you have one dog and somebody walks into the house and it's bark, 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 bark. Well, you know, I have 15 to 25 or 30 of them doing that. <laughs> so it's very loud and crazy sometimes. But, that you know, within five minutes, they're all quieted down. Okay. Excitement is done. We're going to go back to bed. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just but wanted I to acknowledge that I'm everywhere. here and let you know I saw you uh-huh. kind of thing, right? Yep. Yep. And I have, of course, dog beds everywhere. The furniture is designed for the dogs. It's, uh, you know, I've got to go with leather. You, when you have this many dogs, you cannot have upholstery because they will lift their legs on it or do whatever because they're in a pack. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is not to say that when somebody adopts a senior dog, that the dog's coming to do that. It's, it's often very different when they're alone and they're not in a pack. Their behavior is very different. Gotcha. Um, but, All right. Well, we're going to go know. into um, the the national news break right now, and, but we'll be back, Kim, and I want to talk some more about um, senior rescues and, and some of the other work that you're doing with the senior dogs and senior citizens. So we'll be right back, okay. everyone, after the national news break. Welcome back, everyone. I am excited, as always, to be here with you. If you're just joining us on iHeartRadio, I am just having the, a, a blast with my guest, Kim Skerritt of Silver Muzzle Cottage Rescue and Hospice. And uh, we've been talking about this wonderful senior dog rescue that she had created. And Kim, I, I'd like to talk about another part of what you're doing called Seniors for Seniors. Yeah, what is all that one about? of my favorite programs. Um, you know, when we started the rescue, you know, the one of the goals was, all right, what kind of great things can we, uh, kind of great adventures can we have these dogs experience? And um, I used to have, years ago, I had put together a therapy dog group here in northern Michigan, uh, and, and there were about eight, uh, eight of us with our dogs that would go to area nursing care facilities, and I really saw the value in that. But it was just awesome to walk into that room and watch everybody's face light up. They weren't even looking at us. They were just looking at the dogs, and everybody would just light up, and the, the stories they would tell about their dogs that they had when they were growing up or, you know, their favorite dog that had passed, and um, and it was just such a wonderfully um, heart-touching moment each and every time, and I thought, you know, these dogs are old, but 
wow, can these people relate to them? They often have the same ailments, arthritis, <laughs> my hips are bothering me, and I don't feel that great today. Um, so I thought, wow, this would benefit both two-legged and four-legged friends. And so we um, started working with area nursing care facilities, and they're just loving it. They absolutely love it. They, you know, because we have a turnover in dogs, they pretty much get to see a different dog each week. Um, and there, some of them are dogs that they can have on their laps and they can pet. And then others are so big that, you know, they sit in their wheelchairs and the dog is standing at head, light, <laughs> head level. So it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, they're excited every time to see who we bring. Um, I have some great, great volunteers that are really dedicated to that program. And we've sort of established some really great contacts in the community. And it's just uh, we, we would always love to have more volunteers in that program because there are many facilities that have reached out to us. And, you know, we can only get to them. But it's a once-a-week program. We usually go spend about an hour with these folks, and they really look forward to us coming. I know the Mayo Clinic added a dog therapy program at their hospital. Mm-hmm. And they have right. therapy dogs that people volunteer. I mean, I was up there for some some testing and in the Florida, Jacksonville, Florida thing. And I, there were all sorts of dogs of different sizes yeah. walking around. And yeah. I was like, huh? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is a program Mayo recently started. And I went, okay, everybody's starting to recognize the value of, Absolutely. of a dog. Around. Yeah, there's actually statistics that show that dogs can lower people's blood pressure. In fact, one of our visits, um, I got there ahead of the other team members, and I overheard one of the nurses say to another nurse, hey, did you get Mrs. So-and-so's blood pressure? And she goes, no, I'm going to wait another 15 minutes until after the dogs get here because it's always lower. <laughs> And uh, so, and you can just tell there, you know, it's a moment for a lot of these people. They're so lonely. Um, even if they have a family that visits them, they're, they're not there every day. And I know my dad is in a facility and, you know, family member, myself, uh, my brother, we get there as often as we can, but he spends the majority of his day with other people who are also lonely. And so uh, having these dogs come in, and he always will tell me, partially that's because he knows I'm a dog person, but also because it's really, truly enjoyable for him. And he'll say, hey, this lady brought her dog in today. And um, they're, you know, they, heck, they even have robotic dogs now because they have found that they don't even have to be real dogs, but just the act of petting a dog um, is very nurturing for some people. Well, I hope we don't get to the point where that's the only kind of dogs that are out there, yeah, the robotic right. dogs. And I'm a geek. I had a tech company right. for 15 years, but and and you did engineering. But there's something about yeah. that that real the real pet. deal. So yeah. it sounds like, but you know, some people are some hospitals and some facilities they are not jumping on board with it. Really, and I, I imagine it's liability reasons. Um, Sanitary. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's true. You know, dogs are. You know, they're, they're furry little beasts, and, you know, they, they're not the most sanitary things. Um, you know, you can't put little paw sanitizer on them or anything. But, um, the, you know, I really think that the benefits just far outweigh the risks. And for, I say kudos to those facilities who are taking advantage of what 
dogs can do for patients and and what a healing element they can be. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that the dogs are typically cleaner than oh, yeah. the hospitals mm-hmm. and the, the nursing homes yeah. because, you know, I, I had pneumonia once and I thought for sure the doctor was going to send me to the hospital because I had a partial lung collapse. And he oh, goes, wow. no, he said, I'm afraid you'll get sicker if I send you to the hospital. So I'm sending yeah. you home with care and yeah. and we're just going to monitor you, he said, because I think you have a better chance of, of living out yeah. of the hospital. And Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. So, I mean, I love the fact that Everybody seems to get rescued in this relationship. But Mm -hmm. I I know it's also not easy for people to find senior dogs. And and, I mean, I know that you can Google search and and there's tons of dogs out there, but not every place is a place like yours where you've vetted everything and you do full vet workups. Oh, my God, that must be so expensive for you, Kim. Every dog you get in, you do a complete vet workup. You get them on medication if they need to. You've done training mm-hmm. if they need to. I, I can't. How much does that cost you, like at a minimum? Um, each dog that comes in, we do a full blood panel. We do fecal and urine analysis. Um, most of the time, they're in need of some medication, arthritis or otherwise. Um, and and we just do a full workup so we know exactly what is going on with this dog. And that usually hits around the $300, $350 range. Um, and that doesn't include dental workups. Uh, that doesn't include any x-rays that might be needed or any other um, tests that are outside of the norm. So it can sometimes be uh, as expensive as twelve to $1,500. So uh, we solely rely on public donations for this. Uh, could not do it without it. Because um, you're not just, funded by any federal or state programs, no, right? No, it's just solely uh, public donations for people who really get the cause and really support it and want to see us going. Because there's some that, you know, they can't foster and they can't take on another dog and they love the cause. Uh, sometimes giving money so that we can do what we need to do is is the way they contribute, and that is just hugely it is so invaluable. I can only imagine what your pet food bill is. No, yeah, <laughs> every yeah, month well, and yeah, treats. We, do have a, we have an Amazon wish list, and we put our dog food out there. And just about as soon as I put the wish list up, uh, we get the bags of dog food in the mail. It's just it's um absolutely mind blowing how people are supporting this. And it's, you know, you get to really interact with all these dog lovers and senior dog lovers. And it's it's really, that is one of the beautiful, beautiful things about uh, being in rescue, particularly for senior dogs. If, if somebody's not in the Michigan area or can't get there to volunteer with your rescue or find a senior dog that you have, how can they go about making sure that wherever they get one from is is okay and that it'd be the right dog for them? I'd say, uh, you know, when you get a dog out of a shelter, uh, much of it is a mystery. Uh, They generally can't even tell you if the dog is housebroken because most shelters, their, their dogs are in kennels from, say, 5 in the evening until they get back there at 7 in the morning. So I don't know too many dogs that can hold it for 14 hours. Um, and then, of course, you know, they're in kennels throughout their day and not always tended to as regularly as a senior dog might need to be. So there are a lot of unknowns about 
the dogs in shelters. But that being said, there's many shelters that are doing their darndest to get those dogs out of there and sometimes into foster homes so they don't have to stay in a, a shelter where the dogs are younger, higher energy, you know, barking and carrying on all the time and making them nervous. Um, but the the best way to do it is to contact um, an area rescue where it's foster-based. And the, the minute the dog is pulled from a shelter uh, or owner relinquished, it goes into a foster home, and that foster, you know, is, is the temporary mom or dad for that dog. And if you go and you inquire about that dog, they can tell you just about everything you want to know, what the dog likes, doesn't like, uh, the best way to handle it, if it's got any health issues or behavioral issues. So uh, that is truly the best way to do it is go through a rescue. And I'll, I will say there's, there's some strange thought process out there that rescues are out to make money. I don't know where that started. I don't quite understand the thinking, but I will say on behalf of all rescues, Rescuing is a financial loss. Um, <laughs> I don't know of anybody who is making money in rescue. Um, our our adoption fee for our dogs is a hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. We I just said you know we we start out at three hundred and fifty dollars putting it out on these dogs and we only get a hundred and fifty of that back. So there is no money being made. Uh, nobody's profiting off it. Most rescues are volunteer-based. Okay, so and on that nobody's... note, we're going to go into our last commercial break. We'll be right back. All righty. Super. Kim, my my second dog I got from a rescue, Paws in Connecticut, in Norwalk, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I swear that I didn't pick Frankie. Frankie picked me. That's usually how that works. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember they had reached out. A friend of mine worked at the shelter, and it was over Christmas, and a friend had reached out and sent me this picture, and my previous Boston had died uh, five months or six months before, and it was Christmas. It was actually Christmas Eve. She sends me this note, and she goes, look what somebody just dropped off. And I'm like, I'm in Florida and not up in Connecticut at the time, and I'm going, I'm, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And she goes, well, we can't do anything for two weeks. And you'll be back by then. And I went, all right. So I, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I feel like this dog is calling my name. And I show uh-huh. up and I show up at the shelter. And they said, okay, we'll just wait a minute. And we'll, we'll bring Frankie out to you in the lobby area first. And then I remembered I had something in my car I needed to bring in to donate to them. <clears throat> so I come back in and there's Frankie. And they were giving the dog a treat. And she turns her head over her shoulder and looks at me. And I'm sure you see this all the time. And I was like, okay. And then goes back, gets the treat. And then they have me go over and, and I squat down and Frankie doesn't come over to me. He's just kind of looking at me. And finally I just opened my arms and I went, Frankie, what do you want? I'm, I'm, I'm here. Next thing you know, the dog has leapt up into my arms, got his paws, her paws around my neck and is giving me like the bath of a lifetime. Uh-huh. And they just looked at me and they said, well, we think Frankie's chosen. <laughs> and they said uh-huh. for the entire like uh, three weeks that she had been there because they needed to make sure nobody was going to come back and take the dog back or and, and check right. everything, you know, do all the stuff you do, that Frankie didn't respond to anybody. Nobody. That's amazing. And yep. 
when I finally said, okay, I'm, I'm going to get Frankie, and they went to take her away to prepper, she didn't want to go, was like screaming uh, almost. And I'm like, it's yeah. okay, you're going to come with me. Well, then we leave and go out to the parking lot, and I wanted to walk her first. She would not go past my car. Had never uh-huh. been in my car. But Isn't that amazing? Planted yeah. pause. Like, I am not going yeah. to pass. So then we get in my car. Yeah. And my car doesn't start, so I had to get a friend to come pick me up and a tow truck to come from my car. Get to my house and take Frankie into my house and give her a little tour. And then we had to go to a friend's funeral, and she said, bring Frankie. So I bring Frankie to the post-funeral thing, and she wouldn't leave the side of my friend Adelaide. Like, refused to leave the side of the widow. And I get home, like five, six hours later, and let Frankie in. I said, okay, Frankie, it's time to go to bed. I couldn't find the dog. I'm searching through the entire house. Can't find Frankie at all. I'm starting to freak out because, like, where could this dog go? I finally get upstairs. She's laying on my bed, staring at the door, Uh going, what took you so long? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yep. And she was probably thinking, what took you so long when you got to the shelter? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And... so how do you, how does somebody know? Do they just let the dog decide if they're trying to rescue, or what's your recommendation? You know, again, it's I think it's one of those intuitive things. You you know, if you're making a decision based on oh that dog's cute, you're probably going to end up with a dog that's not suited to you. That doesn't mean a hundred percent of the time it happens that way, but. You know, I really think the dog will let you know if you're a good fit, and I think also that people just kind of know this is the one um, because you hear that all the time. And, of course, I think going into it, you you have to select a dog that's fit for your lifestyle. So, you know, if you're uh, more of a couch potato and you just really want a couch potato snuggle bunny, you don't want to go and get a high-energy dog like a Border Collie or right. a cattle dog or a pit bull or whatever. You you have to pick a dog that, even in their senior years, is going to have the qualities that work best with your lifestyle. Uh, but more often than not, they will let you know when it's you, and you will know when it's them. And I do hear that all the time. I see that all the time. We had a dog that came through our rescue that was an amazing dog. There was This dog was just near perfect. Uh, she was a really good, happy, medium size, uh, great temperament, wasn't a barker, great on a leash, never pulled. Uh, she was a little bit on the younger side of our seniors. I think they originally thought because she had a white muzzle that she was much older than she really was. But um, you know, the dog was with us almost six weeks, and I thought she was going to just get snatched up right away, and volunteer after volunteer would come in, and every time they'd go, why is she still here? And then all of a sudden, this guy called us one day and said, my dog passed away last week, and I want to get a senior dog, and I really have always had a skipper key or higher-energy dog. I want a dog that can go with me, do things, has a lot of personality, and I said, well, you know, got this dog you have to meet and she Hmm. doesn't have a high energy personality but she's a great dog and he goes I'll come over and meet her and he's watching her as she's you know really mellow and she's walking around and he goes yeah I was kind of hoping for something with a little more personality and I said tell you what I don't normally do trials because I feel like when you adopt a dog you take him home and you make it work it's you know that commitment you're making and I said but in this case 
I know you will not be returning this dog. And he said, okay, I, she's going to be alone on Tuesday because I have to work all day. I really need to make sure she's not going to bark. I said, she doesn't bark. Um, he goes, I'll let you know on Wednesday whether or not I'm going to keep her. He called on Monday and said, I don't need to wait till Wednesday. <laughs> she's the best dog ever. And he, he, it was just a match made in heaven. And I thought, that's why she was with us so long. Waiting, because she he, knew. He was waiting till he showed up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they so. get guidance from somewhere else. And Absolutely, absolutely. His, his other dog yeah. probably talked to the other to the other one and said, just sure. wait, just wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, sure. I'm like so yeah. emotional with that. Because I know yeah, my first absolutely. Boston sent my second one. <laughs> I think that happens. I do. I think, in fact, I think we're going to get to heaven and we're going to find out they were way smarter than oh. we ever gave them credit yeah. for. A- angels and fur. Angels closed and fur. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I want to make sure that before the show ends, people have an opportunity to help you if they need to or help a local organization that supports senior mm-hmm. dogs. But let, let's start with you, Kim, and the Silver Muzzle, Muzzle okay. Cottage Rescue. You mentioned Amazon Wishlist for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some yep. ways that they can support you, whether they're in Michigan or not, and if they're in Michigan, that they can specifically do? Well, as, as you said, the Amazon Wishlist, uh, uh, it is specifically, it's Amazon. You can buy all the same things on Amazon Smile. Um, and that's the, the site we work through. Uh, we post things up on that site. It works very much like a bridal registry. So if we put out there we need 10 bags of dog food and somebody orders two, the next person that looks at that list will see only eight is needed. So if the list is empty, that means everything's been ordered for us, but they can keep track of that particular site, uh, our page, our wish list. And uh, we add things as we need them. And, of course, every time they make a purchase, a percentage of their purchase uh, goes towards our rescue. Okay. Um, that's one way. Uh, we do take cash or checks, the standard checks. Those can be made out to Silver Muzzle Cottage. And our address is 3785 Rice Road Northwest. And that's in Rapid City, Michigan, 49676. And then we have an online uh, portal that uh, through PayPal Giving Fund, uh, they can hop on that, use our, our email address, silvermuzzlecottage at gmail.com, and uh, give to us that way. Okay. And if for some reason they just can't deal with all of the email, the electronic thing, mm-hmm. what's a phone number they can reach you at? 231-264-8402. And say that one more and time. And of course, two three one two six four eight four zero eight. Okay. I, I, and of course, we do have a website. It's silvermuzzlecottage.com. And then we also have a Facebook page, and that's actually where most of our activity takes place. Um, you can find some basic information on our website, but most people are looking for pictures of dogs that are adaptable and. We don't do that because it's not cost-effective. We have such a turnover in dogs, whether it's because they've passed or they're getting adopted out, that it would be, um, you know, pretty costly for us to pay our web guy to constantly be updating our page. Uh, but they can go to our Facebook page, and we have a photos, uh, photo album in our photos section that Perfect. is titled SMC Adaptable Dogs. Oh, I love that. 
So I want to thank you so much for being here with me today and, and just sharing your stories and, and the work that you do. I am just so honored to be able to have you on my show. Well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. I can talk about it all day long. And thank you for uh, promoting causes like ours. And if anybody is not in Michigan, can't visit, and they want to help out a senior. Okay, we only uh, have two seconds left, so they're going to have to call you to find that out. Have a great day, everyone. Remember, the right questions can change your life. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 